I want to thank you for being here with us this morning. And I'd like to invite you now, if you brought your Bible with you, and if you didn't bring your Bible, there's a Bible in the pew in front of you, or maybe you're using your electronic device. Uh, The scripture will also be up on the screen. But join me in John chapter 20. John chapter 20. We're going to be looking at verses 24 to 29. If you're using the pew Bible, it's on page 907. Page 907. It is eight days after the resurrection of Jesus, the events that we're going to zero in on this morning. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord, but he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, His disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. And put your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve. Believe, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Have you ever had a nickname? Has anyone given you a nickname or perhaps you've given a nickname uh, to others? Uh, Obviously, I go by a nickname, Butch. That's not my real name. But when I was growing up as a youth and playing baseball, I was given another name. The coaches called me Leadbutt. Uh, That was not a compliment on my blazing speed. (laughs) But there are different individuals that we know by nicknames or titles that have been given to them. For instance, this morning, if I say J-Lo, you know that I'm referring to Jennifer Lopez. If I were to say The Rock... You know that I'm referring to Dwayne Johnson. Uh, If this is for the older crowd here, because none of the younger guys in my office got this, if I was to say swivel hips or the king of rock and roll, Elvis Presley, we're talking about, the great communicator, Ronald Reagan. If we're talking in football, and I say the goat, 
most of you are going to say Tom Brady. If it's basketball and I say the goat, it's going to be kind of split, especially in Akron, Ohio, between Michael Jordan and LeBron James. If I say biblically the term doubting, you're going to say Doubting Thomas. And he gets his name from the passage that we've read together this morning. And it's really unfortunate for Thomas because the reality is all of the disciples were doubting. The eight days before Jesus appeared to Thomas, that previous eight days before, all of the disciples were doubting themselves and were gathered in a room afraid. And Jesus appeared to them, and Thomas was not there with them. Actually, Thomas now has two nicknames because we're told even in the passage, Thomas, one of the 12, called the twin. Actually, the name Thomas itself means twin. Thomas is an Aramaic term. That was the language that they spoke in Jesus' name. And Thomas meant twin. And then they also gave him a Greek nickname, Didymus, which in Greek means twin. So Thomas was kind of twin twin. Uh, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but that was his nickname. Doubting Thomas. The twin. Now, eight days before the disciples were gathered together in a room. That was the Resurrection Sunday. And for some reason, we don't know why, Thomas was not with them. Now, that's not meant to be a criticism of Thomas. We don't know where he was. We don't know what he was doing. But we do know that the other disciples had gathered eight days previously on the very first Resurrection Sunday they are together. Thomas is not there. Jesus appears in their midst, and Jesus says to them, peace be with you. Now, I would have liked to have seen all the expressions on the faces of the disciples. Think of that. You're in a locked room, and suddenly, right there in the midst of the room, without coming through the doors, Jesus just appears there. Do you think that would get your attention? It would certainly get my attention. And so Jesus is there. He talks with them, but Thomas is not there. Well, you can imagine Thomas has spent three years traveling with these disciples, being with Jesus, and that, that what they're going to say to him, they're going to say to him, we saw the Lord. He was there we saw him. Think of the events that have occurred in those eight days. Two Marys early in the morning go to the tomb. They find the stone has been rolled away. And there are angels there who say to them, he's not here. He is risen. They run to tell the disciples, and Peter and John, they take off to go to the tomb to see it for themselves. 
And John outruns Peter because Peter was kind of a lead butt like me. And, and he gets there and he looks around and Peter just goes right in and they see he's not there. He's risen. Mary Magdalene, one of the Marys, is, is there and she sees Jesus and she grasps onto him. And Jesus says to her, don't hold me, I am not yet ascended to my Father in heaven. Cleophas and another disciple that day were walking along a road to Emmaus. And Jesus comes and joins them. And Jesus opens up all the scriptures of the Old Testament that referred to him. And at the end of the day, they invite him to, to stay with them and to have something to eat. And as they're breaking bread, they recognize it is Jesus. And so what do they do? They hightail it back to Jerusalem, to the other disciples to tell them what they have seen. The ten disciples in the room together. And Jesus appears to them. Can't you imagine the conversations that these different individuals have had with Thomas? He's alive, Thomas. He's alive. We saw him. Mary, I touched him. He is alive. But Thomas says to them, unless, unless, I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side. I will never believe. Unless I will never believe. Now, Thomas is kind of skeptical by nature. We don't have a whole lot told us in the Gospels about Thomas, but there are glimpses of Thomas. It is Thomas in John chapter 11 that when Jesus says that he's going to go back to Bethany because his friend Lazarus has died, that in Bethany there was a plot to put Jesus to death. And Thomas speaks up and says to the other disciples, hey, you know what, we need to go with him so that we can die there with him. Not a very bright picture, is it? Not a very bright expectation. Thomas says, let's go with him because they're going to put him to death and we will be put to death with him. But let's go with him. In John chapter 14, where Jesus is telling his disciples I need to go away, and I am going to prepare a place for you. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. It is Thomas who speaks up and I think says what's on the heart of all the other disciples and says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. And if we don't know where you're going, how can we know the way? And in response, one of the great statements of Jesus is made when he says, I am the way, 
the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. The exclusivity of the gospel, the exclusivity of the Christian message that there is salvation in one and only in one, and that is in Jesus Christ. There is no other way in order to come to God but to come through him. It was in response to Thomas that that statement was made. But now, Thomas says, unless, unless I can take my finger and put it in those nail prints, unless I can take my hand and thrust it into his side, I will never believe. It doesn't matter all the testimony he's heard from the other disciples. It doesn't matter the testimony he heard from the women. He said, unless I can have this experience, I will never believe. You see, it wasn't enough for Thomas just to hear the testimony of others. You know, as, as we gather here this morning, I know that in a crowd this size, there are those of you who have never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And you're surrounded by people who are here this morning that do believe in Jesus, believe he came forth out of that tomb and that he's alive and he has changed their lives. If you believe that this morning, just say amen, which means I agree. Do you believe that Jesus is risen and that he is your savior? Say amen with me. Amen. amen. Okay. But you may be sitting here and say, that's not enough for me. That's not enough. Their changed lives, their experience, what I've seen, that's not enough. Let me ask you this morning, what is your unless? Thomas's unless was, unless I can put my fingers in his hand and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. What's your unless this morning? Perhaps you're here and saying, unless someone can deal with the aching in my heart, the emptiness that I feel, that I have carried with me all through my life. Or maybe it's something that has come upon you and inside there is that void that cannot be filled because you've tried to fill it with everything that is out there. And you may be here this morning and say, unless that emptiness can be filled, I will never believe. Jesus can fill that emptiness. Jesus is the only one who can fill that. Because you were born as a sinner and you were born within your heart with a God-shaped vacuum, a God-shaped void that only Jesus can fill. And if you come to him, he will fill that aching. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, unless I can get my questions answered. I've had questions and nobody will answer my questions. Nobody will deal with my questions. Let me say to you this morning, there's an unseen sign 
over all the entrances in this church. And it says this, questions are welcome. As believers in Jesus Christ, we are not afraid of the questions that you may ask. God is not afraid of the questions that you may have. Questions are welcome. And maybe those questions are, how could God allow, unless I can get an answer to how God could allow this or how God could allow that, I will never believe. There are answers to those questions that God gives to us in his word. Or maybe you're here and you say, unless the arguments I've heard against Christianity, unless that can be refuted, I will never believe. You know what God says to you? Bring your questions on. Bring them on. He's not afraid of your questions. And let me say to you once again, Jesus has the answers to those questions, and in his word are answers to the questions that you are asking this morning. And please do not let something that you've heard from someone about something that relates to Christianity be the stumbling block that keeps you from putting your faith and trust in Jesus. Or perhaps you're here this morning and you're saying, well, unless Christians become more loving, I will never believe. You know what? I'm going to agree with you. Christians need to become more loving. Do we all agree with that? Christians need to be more loving. But let me, in, let, let me let you in on a little secret here. We're all struggling with being more loving. Because just like you, we have a sin nature and we are prone to sin. And so there are some of us that are, that are striving to be more loving. But, but please don't judge us all based on the experience you've had with one or two individuals or with other individuals that call themselves Christians. Let me say to you very clearly, not everybody that calls themselves a Christian is a Christian. Not everybody that goes to church is a Christian. We have people that come here every Sunday but would not identify themselves as Christians. We have people who come here every Sunday who've never really had an encounter with Jesus and they've never been saved just because they come to church. And let me let you in on another little secret. Not every place that calls itself a church is really a church. A church is a gathering of God's people. And in some places it's just a gathering of people that get together and it has nothing to do with the truth of the gospel. So before you judge us all on the behavior of some, at least do a little research and make, that per make sure that person that you're judging us by is really a follower of Christ. 
But even if they are, we're all struggling. We need to do better. Perhaps your unless is here you say, I am sick and tired of these right-wing, hate-filled politicians and their followers in our world today. And if that's what Christians are like, I want no part of it. And unless I see something totally that transforms them, I will never believe. You know what? We live in a very divided country today. And there are a lot of hate-filled people out there. There's hate-filled people on the right, and there are a hate-filled people on the left. Please do not judge Christianity and the claims of Christ on the behavior of our politicians. See, what's your unless this morning? What is it that's keeping you from putting your faith and trust in Jesus? Because, friends, eternity hangs in the balance. Inside of you, you have a voice that's telling you God is, God is, God is, God is. Inside of you, and you may have silenced this voice, there is a voice that's saying to you, there is more to life than what we experience just here on earth, and there has to be something beyond this. And the Word of God says there is, and there's an eternity that we are all going to spend. The only question is, where will we spend that Eternity. What is your unless? So for Thomas, it was unless I can put my fingers in his hands, unless I can put my hand into his side, I will never believe. So the eight days since the resurrection of Jesus have passed, the disciples are together in a locked room. This time Thomas is with them. And once again, right in the middle of the room, boom, there's Jesus standing in their midst. And what does he say? The same thing he said eight days previous. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Aren't you thankful we serve a God of peace? And see, there is peace that is peace with God. See, we're born into this world as sinners. We prove we're sinners by our actions. That sin separates us from God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that sin carries with it a penalty. For the wages of sin is death. Spiritual death. Physical death. Eternal death. And if we were left just like that, there would be no hope. 
But Jesus left heaven. Jesus, God. The God-man comes to earth and goes to the cross and will cry out on that cross, it is finished, the price has been paid, and all who will put their faith and trust in him will have peace with God. Do you have that peace this morning? Because if you do not have that peace this morning, you can have that peace this morning by putting your faith and trust in him. There's the peace with God. And you know, when we're at peace with God, he also provides for us the peace of God. God can give you peace in whatever circumstance or situation you find yourself. Have you lost a loved one and you're grieving? You can have the peace of God. Maybe you're here this morning. You've lost your job and you don't know what you're going to do. You don't know how you're going to make ends meet. You can have the peace of God through that situation. Maybe you're here this morning and you've lost a very important relationship. And you're grieving over the loss of that relationship. You can have the peace of God. Maybe you've lost your health. Or maybe someone near to you has lost their health. And you are grieving over that this morning. You can have the peace of God in your heart. Peace be with you. And now there's a turning point. There's a turning point. Jesus is going to say to Timothy, I mean to Thomas, he's going to say to Thomas, come on, Thomas. You said unless. Come on. Here's my hands. Here's my side. Come put your finger here. Come thrust your hand into my side. Do not disbelieve. Believe. God will meet you where you are. If you, you know, there, there's, there's two types of doubters. There are those doubters who say, I will never believe. And it has nothing to do with any real questions they want answered or any real hurt they just have set themselves in a position they've said I will not believe and all they want to do is argue and fight about things and there is no honesty on their part that if those things get answered for them that then they will believe they are set like stone against the truth and it does not matter to them. Their hearts are hardened and they refuse even when their questions are answered to believe. 
But then you have someone like Thomas. He's hurting. He's been disappointed because of what occurred on the cross. He's afraid that his hope may be shattered again. And so he says, unless. And friends, whatever unless it is you bring with you this morning that's keeping you from believing, if you in all honesty will reach out to God as his spirit is working in your heart, he will meet you there. He will meet you there just as he met Thomas there. And so, come on, Thomas. Come on. Put your finger here. Put your hand there. Several years ago, there was a defendant on trial for murder in Oklahoma. There was all kinds of strong evidence indicating his guilt, but they were never able to find a body. In the defense's closing statement, the lawyer knew that his client was about to be convicted, so he decided he would resort to a trick. He said, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I have a surprise for all of you. Within one minute, the person presumed to be dead, in this case, will walk into the courtroom. The jury was startled, and everyone turned and looked at the back door, waiting for the person, expecting him to come through the door. Well, a minute passed, and nothing happened. The lawyer said, actually, I made up the previous statement. But you all looked at the back door in anticipation, and therefore I put it to you that there is reasonable doubt in this case as to whether anyone was killed, and insist that you return a verdict of not guilty. The jury was thoroughly confused and retired to deliberate. But just a few minutes later, the jury returned and pronounced a verdict of guilty. You know, sometimes when trials are over, the, the lawyers get to talk to the jury. And so the defense attorney said to them, but how? You must have had some doubt. I saw every one of you stare at the door. And the jury foreman answered, we did, as well as everyone else in the courtroom, except for one person, your client. <laughs> Friends, I am telling you, in this case, Jesus is alive. Do not disbelieve. Believe.
I don't think that Thomas ever went up and put his fingers in the Lord's hand. I don't think that he ever went and thrust his hand into the side. I believe that he fell to his knees, and we know the words that he said. He said, my Lord and my God. Now, some have said, well, that was Thomas cursing and swearing. No, that's not Thomas cursing and swearing. This is Thomas recognizing that standing before him was Jesus. Thomas said, you're my Lord. You're my God. And all the doubt has been washed away because he saw Jesus. This morning, I challenge you, what is your unless? And isn't it time to set it aside, to stop disbelieving, and to believe? I want to tell you, in closing, the story of a missionary. He was someone that was saved by Jesus, and God called him as a missionary to go to India. That is the last place that he wanted to go. It was a long ways away, and he did not want to go to India. And yet he became obedient, and he went to India, and there in India, he preached the gospel. And just as we saw this morning of several people being baptized, as their professions of faith, he was able to baptize people. And a small church was formed. But the people in the city were not pleased with the gospel coming into their city. And so one day, as the missionary was out working... One of the locals came, and with a spear, they thrust it into his side, and he died. The missionary, none other than the one that we call Doubting Thomas. And how ironic that he dies from a spear being thrust into his side. I think we're unfair in calling him Doubting Thomas. I think we should call him Faithful Thomas. And friend, this morning, you can be transformed from one who doubts to one who is faithful. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Pray, Father, that you will speak to each of our hearts. Draw us to the Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.